So when we were in Orlando, those of you who went to Orlando with us, we went to Universal, right? And then which, what was the new part of Universal that had just opened? Harry Potter, right, Diagon Alley from Harry Potter. And everybody was freaking out about it. It was, it was, it was a blast. Anybody, who in here has read the Harry Potter books? Some of you, haven't you seen the movies? Wow, most of y'all haven't. Okay. So here's, here's the thing. Um, when I was in college, I had some friends who were, like, really, really into Harry Potter. And remember, this is when they were still coming out. Like, the books were still being written, right? And so, but they were, like, really into Harry Potter, and it got weird um, because they would play Quidditch. They would, and if you don't know, in Harry Potter, I've never seen the movies, nothing either. In, in, in Harry Potter, uh, Quidditch is a game they play by flying around on brooms, and I don't get it all. I've never read it either. But, um, and obviously they couldn't fly around, so they would just stick brooms between their legs and run around and play Quidditch. Like, I'm serious. It's a thing. Like, it's a thing. It's a thing. Like, they have, like, club. It's, yeah, they act like it's a legit sport. And one friend of mine actually was playing Quidditch, running through this field, and, like, hit a hole and jacked up his ankle hardcore. Like, really hurt himself bad. And I wish I could have been there in the doctor's office when he went into the, uh, how'd you hurt yourself? Well, I was playing Quidditch. <laughs> and uh, I'm a 21-year-old 20, man. Yeah, it was really funny. So here's my point. Here's my point. Harry Potter is fictional. We know that, of course. But people take this fictional book so seriously that they're willing to get hurt playing a fictional game that they can't really play because they can't really fly on brooms, right? And yet, despite the fact that people take a fictional book that seriously, people don't believe the Bible. And that's crazy to me. Like that, That's kind of wild that they'll put that much stock in their lives into a fiction book but they act like the Bible is not real. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. 1 Peter 3.15 ESV has been our, is going to be our base scripture for this series. We started last week. It says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now that's the ESV. Some versions say be prepared to give an answer when people ask. Yeah? It's too long. It's too many characters. Sad. Um, okay, so I guess that's, you know, you know what a lot of people do? They start with always being, or always be prepared, you know, if that, that helps, I don't know. But, uh, so tonight we're going to talk about, the, the answer we're going to talk about tonight, the question is, why do you believe the Bible? Okay, why do we believe the Bible? Because, you know, I come up here every week, and I tell you stories from the Bible, and I give you verses from the Bible, and if you come on Sunday mornings, you hear verses, and hopefully you read the Bible with some regularity. If we put that much time and, and, and that much energy into the Bible, we should probably know why we care about it that much, right? Because some people will say that it's not true, that it's not real, and we're going to talk about some of the arguments that they'll give. Um, now, I could tell you some scriptures about the Bible, Okay, I could read you some scriptures about the Bible. Um, but here's the thing. You know how in, 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 in the English class, when you're giving a definition, what's the one rule, that, what's the one thing you can't do in a definition? You can't use the word to define itself, right? If I say, he's tall, and they're like, what does tall mean? Well, well it means he's tall. You can't write that. It doesn't work. So, so we're not going to do that with the Bible tonight. We're not going to use the Bible to define the Bible. We will at the end. But first, we're going to talk about some non-biblical reasons why the Bible is true, because that's what 
non-Christians want, right? A Christian, or a person who's not a Christian doesn't care what the Bible says about the Bible, right? It doesn't, they, they don't care. So here are some, some reasons why, some questions that people might ask and some reasons why uh, the, the, the Bible can be trusted. We're going to hang out in the New Testament for a while, and then we'll get to the Old Testament toward the end, and, and, and you'll see that why I'm doing that when we get there. So the first thing they may say is, you know what? The dudes who wrote it, they wrote it down wrong. They didn't really, what they wrote isn't what really happened. Right? How can we trust what the authors wrote is, is kind of the question. Can we trust what the authors wrote? Now, um, and the answer is yes. Yes, we can trust what the authors wrote, and here's why. The dudes who wrote the Bible were there. Okay? This isn't like dudes years and years later writing down what they heard about. No. They were there. Who wrote the book of Matthew? Matthew. What was, who was Who was Matthew? A disciple. He hung out with Jesus. He was there. Like, he saw the miracles. He saw the whole thing. Uh, the book of, of uh, John, same thing, right? John is the one that Jesus loved. He was like part of the inner circle of disciples. He was there. He saw the transfiguration. He saw the crucifixion. He's the one who, when Jesus is dying, he says, all right, Mom, he's your new son. John, that's your new mom, because in that day, the son had to take care of the mom until she died. He's like, I'm dying here, Mom. John's got you. He's the dude who wrote the book of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He wrote Revelation. He was there. Who wrote the book of Mark? Mark. Now, Mark was not one of the disciples, um, but Mark was Paul, the apostle Paul. He was one of his close friends and traveling companion. No, he was Peter's. I'm sorry. He was Peter's friend and traveling companion. So he heard the stories directly from the dude who was there. It wasn't like three and four generations told. Same thing with Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts and he, and he wrote the book of Luke and he was Paul's personal doctor as well as a historian. So he's a dude of education. He knows how to research. He knows how to interview people. And so we can trust that even though he didn't see a lot of the stuff, everybody he talked to did. Also, the whole New Testament was written within 60 years after Jesus died. Okay, so these are people that saw it or were very close people that saw it, and they wrote it soon. It wasn't like, like if I go right now and try to research and get stories about something that happened 300 years ago, it might be hard, right, because there's no eyewitnesses around. Um, I'd have to rely on other books at best. But, but all these dudes wrote it while these people were still alive, like, and, and, and here's something we, we can know about that because if I write something today, now let's say I wrote a book today about President Bush, okay? Let's just say I decided I was going to write a book about President Bush. Um, if I wrote down stuff that was wrong, what's going to happen? Well, that's true, but before the next generation can get it, what are people going to say about my book? Yeah, they're going to be like, dude, I was there. You've got that way wrong. Right? We don't have that, though. We don't have accounts from the New Testament age where they were like, yeah, these guys are wrong. These guys were alive. They wrote it at the time when firsthand witnesses were still around, and they could have said, hey, that's wrong. They didn't. We, we have no record of that. So the Bible was, the New Testament was written by guys who were there or who were direct interviews of God who, guys who were there within a generation. So it wasn't like 300 years later, there's nobody here to tell me it was wrong. Also, if they were going to make stuff up and write it wrong, they would have made themselves look better. Okay? Um, the disciples, if you read, if you read uh, uh, the, the Gospels and Acts, the disciples look like idiots, kind of. Like, 
We know Peter sticks his foot in his mouth all the time. I believe if, if Mark had been lying about it, he would have made Peter look better because they were really good friends, right? Paul called himself the chief of sinners. If, if I was lying, I wouldn't call myself, I'm the worst, dude. I'm just the worst. You know, like if you're making something up, you're going to make yourself look good. But they didn't do that. They made themselves look bad. And at the very, you know, they were honest about themselves. So, so yes, we can trust what the authors wrote. The next question is, well, how do we know that what they wrote didn't get changed over time? Okay, we just played a game where you wrote something down, and six people later, it was something totally different, right? What was one of the, what, what was, you had the one about puppies or guppies? Bubble guppies, and it turned into what? I hate bees, right? Somebody wrote something about a cat, and it turned into my, my fluffy cat turned into my dog's poop or my dog's butt or something like that. Um, Right? And that was just a few generations, you know, that, and granted that was a little different. But so people will say that that's what happened to the Bible. That, you know, 2,000 years ago these dudes wrote it down. And even if they wrote it down then, what we have today is not what they wrote. Okay? But that's also not the truth. We have manuscripts um, uh, from which a manuscript is like a copy or a partial copy in the original language. Okay, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a little game of the New Testament versus Homer's Iliad. Now, the Iliad is a famous book written 800 years before Jesus came around in Greek. Um, it's, a, it's an ancient Greek book. It is a widely taught, widely regarded classic of Greek literature. Okay, people still teach it today. So, so the, you know, and so we're going pl- to co- compare and contrast these. Now, um, of the New Testament, we have original Greek copies of parts of the New Testament that go back to less than 200 years after they were written, okay? So from A.D. 60 to A.D. 200, about 140 years or so, we have copies. The Iliad, the oldest copy we have, came about 1,000 years after it was originally written. So Bible, 200 years. The Iliad, 1,000 years. All right? In the, uh, it was written in about 800 B.C. Ironically, the oldest copy we have of each of these is from about the same time, about 200 B.C. or 200 A.D. Um, but the Iliad was written 800 years before the Bible. So that's a much bigger gap in difference here. Okay? Let's talk about number of copies, the number of manuscripts that we have from way back in the day. Okay? In the, of the New Testament, we have over 5,000 Partial or whole copies, okay? So 5,000 individual chunks or parts or whole copies of the New Testament in the original Greek. In the Iliad, there are less than 650 of those old manuscripts, which tells me that the Bible has way more evidence and way more original copies than the Iliad does. And yet, schools and universities teach the Iliad every day, assuming it's exactly what Homer wrote. 3,000 years ago almost, okay? So if we can, if scholars regard the Iliad as being accurate to what was originally written, they have to do the same thing for the Bible because we have much more and much better um, uh, evidence and copies of that than we do of, of the Iliad. So that's that. Now let's talk about the Old Testament, okay? We've got to talk about the Old Testament. Um, the Old Testament has pretty much been in place since about 400 years before Jesus was born hasn't really changed, okay? And Jewish scholars know this. Jewish people, uh, uh, the Torah is the Old Testament. It's basically the same Old Testament we have, okay? Um, and so 
uh, Jesus quoted the Old Testament. Okay? In fact, the New Testament as a whole quotes the Old Testament hundreds and hundreds of times. It, it uses 22 of the 39 Old Testament books. Okay? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st Kings, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Micah, Habakkuk, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. All those books in the Old Testament get quoted in the New Testament. So, here's, and, and Jesus, in Matthew 4, Jesus says to the devil, when the devil's tempting him, Jesus says, it is written, and he quotes the Old Testament. And if anybody was going to argue with the Old Testament, you'd think the devil would have, right? But even the devil goes, oh yeah, you're right. Like, the devil doesn't argue it when Jesus quotes the, New, the Old Testament. So if the devil trusted the Old Testament, and, and Jesus did, and Paul did, and Peter, we know the New Testament is good, therefore they are resting on the Old Testament. Here's how we're going to demonstrate this. I need six people. Three of them need to be fairly strong dudes. Okay, we're going to make a little pyramid. We're going to go pyramid style. I need, I need six people. You're strong. You want to be on the bottom? We can do it. All right, J come on. Come on, Justin. Come on, Ashton. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Yes. All right, so who's going to be on the bottom? Okay. So I need, okay, three on the bottom. Get shoulder to shoulder. you got to get close. we got to get, y'all, shoulder to shoulder. Get real close. you got to get real close to be on the bottom. I've done this at camp every year now. Yeah, there you go. All right, so hang on. Before you get up there, this right here is the Old Testament, okay? Stay with me, guys. So this bottom row is the Old Testament. This next row, which is going to be the twins, you guys are the New Testament. Hop up there. Hop up there. Yeah, she may need some help there. So the New Testament is relying on the Old Testament. Honesty represents us, okay? So if she, yeah, hop up there. So if we are trusting the New Testament, we're also trusting the Old Testament. All right, look up for the picture. He's, he's taking pictures. Okay, you got it? Okay. So we are trusting the New Testament. That means we're also trusting the Old Testament because if they fall, so does the New Testament, so does us. Okay? So let's, let's let her down. Let's not hurt anybody. Good job, guys. Give him a round of applause. Good job. Woo! Oh, dang, it fell. Well, it was doing good. They're warming up for camp. That's right. We got it. We, yeah. That's practice for camp. So, all right. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. Super job, everybody. So, all right. Okay. Stay with me, guys. Stay with me. Super job. So, we trust the New Testament. The New Testament is trusting the Old Testament. Okay? So, we know that we can trust the Bible. Now, I do want to tell you guys... For a second, Wes, go to that next slide. I got a lot of this information from this book called The Case for Christ. If you're interested in more, you want more details about what I'm talking about tonight, check out this book. There is a student version. Um, the regular one gets a little deep. It gets a little heavy. I'm reading the, uh, I'm on the last chapter of it right now. Um, but uh, if you want the student version, it's really good as well. And uh, this book it's really cool because even I, for years, believed the Bible without knowing all the evidence. What Lee Strobel did in this was he found 13 
of dudes who got more letters after their name than a phone book. You know what I mean? Like they've got doctorates and masters, and these dudes are really smart, really published. And he went and interviewed them about why the Bible is true. And he argued with them about stuff. He asked them really hard questions. And uh, he presents all of that in these books that explain to you why the Bible is true, why we believe uh, and trust in it. There's not a movie for it. No, ma'am. Yeah, what happened, Lee Strobel's story, and he talks about this in the introduction of the book, his wife got saved, but he was an investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune. He covered crime and court, courtroom stories and that kind of stuff. He was a reporter. And so his wife became a Christian. He's like, what the crap? I better investigate this for myself because that's what he did. He was an investigative reporter. So he flew all around the country um, interviewing these dudes who are way smarter than all of us and, uh, and, and ended up becoming a Christian. He's written a bunch of books, and he's a Christian speaker now. But this was the first one, and uh, it's really good. So if, you, like, if what I'm telling you tonight, I know I've kind of gone through this quickly. Um, I don't even know what time it is, but uh, okay, thank you. So, um, you know, if, if you want more information, you want to read more in depth, check out these books. They're real good. Um, I'm enjoying, uh, I have enjoyed The Case for Christ thoroughly, and he has a bunch of other books. Um, also... If you look on the YouVersion Live event, um, if you look in there, you will see uh, a, a, a thing that says download these images or something like that. And the live event, the YouVersion thing on the, on, on the live event. Somebody look it up real quick. so I can, You got it? The YouVersion Live event. Somebody got it? A few of y'all had it up. will help. Okay, so if you... Yeah, if you click on where it says, like, get these images, in the event, it's in there, view the images. So click visit site. You can actually download and save to your phone some of these shots I've had up on the screen so that you can remember these things in case you forget. They were up earlier. Like, the, a, a bunch of them from this message are on there. And you can view the images, hold it down, save the image as. That way... If you ever want these answers or you forget them or somebody asks you about them, you can say, hey, Iliad versus New Testament is in there. Um, you know, firsthand. So, so you can save those images. If you need help, catch me after service. I'll explain it. Now that we know that we can trust the Bible, okay, so now we say, you know what, this is why I can trust the Bible. Now let's find out what the Bible says about itself, Okay, the Bible says all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3.16. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The psalmist in Psalm 119 wrote, Your Word, these, these words, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So here's what we know. Here's what we can kind of take home. A, the Bible's true. We can trust what it says, which means you can trust what God says. When Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world, you can trust that. When Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you may have life and have it to the full, you can trust that. Jesus wants you to have a full life. When Jesus said, I have come not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved, you can trust that. See, when Jesus says that he loves you, 
That's not the made-up words of some theologian in the 1500s. That's not the, uh, it's not what some dude decided Jesus should have said. That's what God said. That is what God said about you. And so that's where I want us to land tonight. I want you to pause, and we've had a lot of fun tonight, and I'm glad for that. I want you guys to have a lot of fun here. Um, but I want you to take a minute and, and forget about the paper telephone and forget about the pyramid and all that kind of stuff and think about what God said about you. Because God says good things. Right? The Bible says that God has a plan for your future. He's got a plan for you, a good plan. God said, behold, I am doing a new thing, making streams in the desert. And so I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to hear everybody's eyes closed, please. No looking around, no talking. I want you to hear the truth in the words of the Bible. When Jesus said there's no greater love than that a man should lay down his life for a friend, and then he went and lived that out himself and laid down his life for you. That's trustworthy. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray tonight, Lord, that we would take this to heart. God, that when you said that you love us and you said that you gave up your life for us, that is true. God, I pray that that would sink in to our hearts and let it not just be head knowledge, but it would be heart knowledge as well. God, I pray that we are living a life that causes people to ask questions. I pray that when those opportunities arise, we would be bold enough to, to answer those questions. God, and to have those hard conversations. And it's not because we have to know every answer, but because you already have all the answers. And we can say, we can give the answers we know, and we can rely on you to do the rest of the work, God. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here who doesn't have a relationship with you, God, that they would hear this and they would experience it and, and they would take these head knowledge in and put it to the test. God, and allow you to come into their hearts and into their lives and to, to begin something fresh in them. knowledge of what's going on and through our time spent in the word that you would change us God I pray that you would uh, give us the the whatever God to spend time in your word Lord the desire to spend time getting to know you God I pray
pray that you would have your way in us and that we would be changed by your presence, God. And that people around us would see that and they would be drawn to you as well. God, we love you. We thank you.